And Paul saw all of that, and then you can just envision the Lord saying to Paul, now do you want to take up your cross and follow me? And Paul saying, absolutely. I'm going for it. Knowing that these things were his, knowing that they were set before him, he said, we were appointed to these things. I told you beforehand, as when they happened, you wouldn't be surprised. And you know, this is what happened. We were appointed to it. Pretty much wherever Paul went, he got in trouble with unbelieving Jews, unbelieving Gentiles, with the government. And eventually his life would be taken from him because of his service to the Lord. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. First Thessalonians chapter 3 and talking about standing firm or standing fast today. As Paul says to us in verse 8, For now we live if you stand fast. In the Lord. To stand fast or to stand firm, it means to persist or to preserve. In the context of our study, it means to preserve in godliness or in fellowship with the Lord, the ability to stand in fellowship with the Lord. And today in our study, I hope that we would be willing to open our hearts to the Lord and ask the Lord, Lord, how am I standing? Am I standing firm? Am I standing fast? Do you have some work that you need to do in me? I believe we know that that answer, in one sense, could be there's always work. We never arrive while we're in this flesh. But to know that you're standing firm. Paul was asking that of the church of Thessalonica. I'm asking you of the church of Lake Villa here today. Are you standing firm in the Lord? Father, we pray that you would teach us now through your word. Lord Jesus, we know, according to your word, that where two or more are gathered together in your name, that you are in our midst. We also know, Lord, that this word that we have before us, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, causing Paul to pin these words to the church of Thessalonica, that these very same words, Lord, are alive and powerful and useful for this fellowship this day. Here at Lake Villa. And we pray, Lord, that you would work now through your word, through the power of your Holy Spirit, as we look into it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we know in church life that there are the office of a deacon where they are hands laid upon them. And even in the epistles uh, in the book of Acts, there's deaconess 
female deacons that were mentioned too. We use no such title, either as deacons or as deaconess here at Calvary Chapel. In one sense, people get really caught up into titles, and there can be a danger there. And so if title's important to you, you'll probably find that I won't give you that title. You know, I'll just kind of back off and I'll wait and say that, you know, I, I wonder if it's more about the title than about the Lord. And if it's about the Lord, then you'll be honored to serve our Lord and to be that servant and to look at the needs and say, what can I do? But then as you're raising up as servants, Chuck, when asked, who do you look to for an assistant pastor? Where's your greatest resource that you have? Actually, when this question was asked, there were two areas mentioned. I do know of a third because of uh, being in the School of Ministry, being out at Costa Mesa that Chuck has said at another time too. And so three main areas that Chuck looks for. And, and in our world of business, perhaps, in the society that we live in, well, one of these areas we wouldn't even want to consider one of the areas that Chuck looks into is the janitors on the church property. How are they serving? What are they doing? Are they faithful servants? And he loves to put janitors in the place of ministry to become fellow laborers in the Lord. Another place he looks is worship leaders, guys who are worshiping the Lord, and, and that's one of the resources. He perhaps will grow them up. And the third area is his, for him, it's a Saturday night prayer group. Who's coming out to pray for this fellowship? And he keeps track of those people. And those are the ones that in time so often can get raised up into ministry. Now they're not just brothers and sisters. They're not just ministers of God, but fellow laborers, co-laborers in the work. And, and we should all come to that place, I believe. It's in our bulletin. It reads, every member a minister. Now, I don't want you to go out and introduce yourself, hi, I'm a minister of Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa. Because what they'll think is that, oh, you're the pastor there. You know, if you want to just strip it back to its original meaning in the Greek, you can introduce yourself if you want to do this as your title. I'm a servant at Calvary Chapel. I don't think we would do that. I'm a slave. Yep, that's me. I don't know if we'd want to use that title, but that's what the word means in its purest sense. But to be a minister, that growing in the Lord, something that we should all be able to do, that we should preach forth, be fellow laborers in the Lord. The Lord said to us in Matthew 28, 19, go, therefore, make disciples. And the word literally means as you go. So as you go forth around your day, you can be a fellow laborer in the Lord in your workplace, in your home, at play, wherever you're at. And I think that's our greatest potential for growth here. Personally, I don't believe it's the radio station. I don't think that's our greatest. I am grateful for the two radio stations that we have. And they ministered to people. We even had, I think it was about a week and a half ago, one of the other churches asking, can we put a, a spot on an announcement, a community announcement? They were having um, some you know, vision thing for the elderly at their church and said, can we put a spot on your station? And said, so, well, we're kind of at a technology curve here. We're trying to learn the station, and we're just not quite there, but I'm so glad that you guys are listening. That, you know, people are listening, and they're being ministered to. When we were here on ShareFest with all the other churches that were involved, some 50-plus people, toward the end of the day, I had guys, and it just happened to be a couple of guys, three guys, stopped me and said, 
I'm so blessed by the 89.1 radio station. Oh, my wife wanted me to tell you that she loves 101.5 and listening to it, and thank you. And she's like, oh, that's great. Glad that we can minister in that way. But I don't believe it's got to be the radio station that brings growth. I don't believe it's getting the zip codes of Lake Villa, Antioch, Lindenhurst, Round Lake Beach, and sending out mass mailers. What I believe the greatest potential of growth for this fellowship is when we go out into the world and we reflect the love of Christ that's being taught to us here and in his word. And we become those fellow laborers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our greatest potential when you get into people's lives. Timothy was one of those. In verse 3, it says that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourself know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it has happened and you know. So trials and afflictions, they come to everyone. Lowell from Milwaukee was with us last week and teaching from Ephesians talked about these trials. And one of the things that Lowell, that he did that I really loved as he, he just reinforced who our God is. The God who holds the whole world in his hands is able to encompass the trials that you go through in your life. And I thought that was beautiful to picture, that word picture that he was giving us there. But we're all going to come into some kind of trial, some kind of affliction, some kind of persecution. It will happen sooner or later in this life. But Paul says in verse 3 that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. Hey, we don't want to be shaken by them. They're going to come. Is it going to shake your faith when they do come? Paul goes on to say that we were appointed to these. Now for Paul... When he became a believer, and if you remember the story there in Acts 9, he was blinded on the road to Damascus, and then he was led into the city, and the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus, came to Ananias, a brother in that city, a fellow believer in the city, and said, I want you to go to Saul and lay hands on him that he can see again. If you know the story, Ananias argued with the Lord for a moment. We've heard of this guy. He's already in prison and drug others off into prison, and he's come to Damascus to do the very same thing to your church here. And the Lord said to Ananias, he's a chosen vessel of mine. Hey, Ananias, just do what I'm asking you to do, man. Don't, don't question me. This guy is a chosen vessel of mine. But then he says to him in verse 16 of chapter 9, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. At one point, in Scripture, Paul tells us some of these things at this point in his life that he had suffered for the Lord's name's sake. Go with me now to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. He's really defending his place, his position as an apostle of Jesus Christ to the church in Corinth at this point. In verse 22, he refers to that he's of the Hebrew faith, I mean, he's a Hebrew, he's an Israeli, he's of the seed of Abraham. And in verse 23, he says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundantly in stripes, above measure, in prison, more frequently in deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I've received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I've been in the deep or 
in shipwrecks. He's just floating around in the probably the Mediterranean Sea out there in journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in the perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings, often in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Paul, the Lord said, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. And by the Lord's word there in Acts 9.16, I wonder if the Lord took Paul and said, this is what your life is going to be like as a believer. And all those things that was listed out, Paul foresaw them. I will show him how many things he will suffer for my namesake. And Paul saw all that. And then you can just envision the Lord saying to Paul, now do you want to take up your cross and follow me? And Paul saying, absolutely, I'm going for it. Knowing that these things were his, knowing that they were set before him. He said, we were appointed to these things. I told you beforehand, as when they happened, you wouldn't be surprised. And you know, this is what happened. We were appointed to it. Pretty much wherever Paul went, he got in trouble with unbelieving Jews, unbelieving Gentiles, with the government, and eventually his life would be taken from him because of his service to the Lord. Trials and afflictions come to us all. Peter wrote to us in 1 Peter 2.19, For this is commendable if, because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffers wrongfully. Hey, because of your faith in God, you suffer and endure grief? That's commendable. Now, in our society here in the United States, we don't want to suffer and endure anything. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to. But just realize the mindset of the early believers. This was part of the story. Hey, come to Christ and your life will be great. To them, it was, hey, come to Christ, man. You're going to suffer many things. But it's to the glory of God. Be willing to. Now, Paul would write in his epistles, even as he closes out in First and Second Thessalonians, He's basically telling the people, man, be good people, work hard, don't try to cause trouble. And so he's telling the church, you know, don't get yourself into trouble. So often we can get ourselves into the trouble that we get into. As Peter says in verse 20 of the same chapter, for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. And so he said, what credit is it if you're being punished because of your own faults, your own sin? It was your fault. You were driving 75 in the 55 when the cop came up behind you. It's your fault. Can't say the devil's. It's your fault. You were doing that. I had a cop behind me this week, and I was doing the speed limit. I knew he was behind me. That's not why I was doing the speed limit. <laughs> I always watch the speed because from our house to this church, there are several places. I know that's where the cops sit. And so, you know, just in my mind, it's just automatic. You don't want to speed in these areas. And, and I just try to watch myself. And while we were going up Grass Lake Road, suddenly his lights came on. And my heart raced for a moment. thought, I'm doing 45. I'm not doing anything wrong. And then he went around me and whatever he was going to. 
But I knew I, I was innocent from all that I knew. I didn't know I had anything else happening. But it got my heart to pump a little bit, my legs to kind of, you know how you get that chill that runs through you? It happened. Hey, when you're guilty, you're guilty. Last time I did get a speeding ticket, I was doing 65 and a 40. And uh, I was just coming back from a men's conference. And I had all the Christian stuff in my seat next to me. And before the cop got to me, I'd taken my Bible and everything and just put it on the floor. Not because I was embarrassed as far as speeding and all that, but really I didn't want to uh, use Christ to try to get out of anything. Hey, I was busted. And I knew it, and so I took the hit. It was my own fault. But when you do good and suffer, take it patiently. This is commendable before God. 4, verse 21. To this you were called. So Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, we told you that these things will come. You're called to this. Peter, again, saying the same thing. For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. Try that one out. Hey, when someone says something about you, what's the first instinct? Hey, you want to restore your reputation. You know, you want to revile something back in return. Christ didn't do that. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to the who judge righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whom stripes we are healed. Are you shaken by afflictions? So often the answer is yes, isn't it? This is just where I'm at in my life. And when I was a brick mason foreman, I had huge responsibilities, large projects, one on Great Lake Naval Base. One of the buildings was eight stories high with four or five-story wings. Another building was, it's called damage control, and it takes up half a city block and three sections of that building, having over 50 uh, men. One day, I remember, I think it, the count was, we had to count our brick and block that we laid, and my boss was gone that day, and I was taking over actually his job for him on a Saturday, and I think our guys laid 28,000 brick in one day. A lot of stuff going on. And with that came ulcers canker sores, and, you know, all that stuff is better now, but it's always there. It's like, you know, I can hear something. I can just feel it in my stomach. There's a little burning going on even now that I have to actually, it's just, all right, John, calm down, calm down. You're going to be okay. Trust in the Lord. And my stomach's saying, it's getting excited. You just kind of feel it, and that's where we are. Are we shaken by affliction? So often the answer is yes. Lily and I, we've been out in California and been part of a major quake about an hour from the epicenter. And it was about 4.30 in the morning that we were shook out of bed. And it's just so weird. You're on land, you're in your house, and you're swaying as if you're in a boat. And everything is just, you know. And that's, that was an hour away from the epicenter. There at the epicenter, roads and bridges were collapsing and people were dying. It was teeth rattling for them. Bone jarring. Let's go to Luke 6. See what the Lord says about being on a firm foundation. Luke 6. We'll close with this. 
beginning in verse 47. The Lord Jesus said, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he's like. Verse 28, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, when the stream beat vehemently against it, that house, it could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like the man who built his house on earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. The house is referring to your life. The Lord Jesus is connecting the building of your life. And there's two different foundations that you can have. One is to dig deep, to get on the solid and firm rock of Jesus Christ and build your life upon that. The other is to simply do nothing and build your life upon the sinking sand that you're standing on. I stand before you as a man who loves to dig deep. My former profession, a brick mason, I know what it means to have a good foundation. Later on, Paul would say that we have not labored in vain. I don't want to labor in vain. I know what it means to labor in vain. I've done it before. You have too. And the Lord says, hey, those who believe in me, this is what he's like. This is what she's like. She's like one who digs deep. Make sure she's get on that bedrock, on that firm foundation. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ who is that bedrock. When the Lord gave Peter his name, his name, given name was Simon. The Lord would call him Petros. The word literally means little stone. Upon this Petra, you will build your church. Petra means massive rock or mountain. And the Lord told Peter, you're going to build your life upon this Petra. Peter, you're a Petros. You're just a little rock, and you'll get tossed back and forth every once and again. And next week, we'll learn about Peter as Satan asked for him. And Jesus described it to Peter, said, Satan has asked for you to sift you like wheat. Can you envision that? You know, here's little Peter. He's in Satan's big wheat sifter with a bunch of other people and is, whoa, back and forth. But Jesus said to Peter, I'm praying for you. What a wonderful Savior we have. Are you building your life on that ground that cannot be shaken? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Are you standing firm? You think, well, no, not really. Is one of the reasons you're not standing firm today is because you haven't built your life upon that rock that Jesus refers to? You haven't dug deep? So you got nothing firm to stand upon. If that's you today, I pray that the Lord would prick your heart in such a way that you would cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, it's me, and I want to take that first step of faith this morning. I just want to become a brother and sister in faith. Perhaps you are a brother and sister in the faith, but you haven't been standing firm as of late. Stuff's been going on in your life, and it's not been good. Hey, it happens. It happens to all of us. It's how you respond that's important. How you go through these things. Is this commendable before God? How you're responding? Or is the Lord saying, man, I wish you would have stood firm. Man, I would have been there for you. I, I am here. And the Lord is here. 
I believe he wants to help wherever you're at. Whether a believer just wanting to step up his faith and walk and work in the Lord. Hey, let me be that attendant. Let me be your servant, Lord. Or, you know, I think I've, I want to be a fellow laborer. I just want to get into the work now that you've called me to, Lord. The Lord's talked to us on many different issues this morning. But the big question still is, are you standing firm? And Father, we ask that you would be with us and that we would know this answer. For we know that Satan is there and he wants to sift us like wheat. In Zechariah, we learn of Joshua, the high priest, who's standing before your throne and Satan at his right hand accusing him. And that blessed picture that's given to us there, Lord, is Joshua, the high priest, is standing there in his filthy garments. And you remove his filthy garments and put on him a robe of righteousness. The accuser of the brethren, Satan, is right there. And you clothe him in righteousness before him. We know that righteousness can only come through you, Jesus. So we pray that you would work this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Hey.